0: Welcome to the Thrive Vineyard Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Kevin Kiefer. For more information about this podcast and other
1: resources, visit thrivevineyard.com. How we doing, guys? You okay? All right. I am stoked about uh, this morning... Um, I told you, uh, some of you were here at the very beginning, um, but we are going to spend uh, the rest of the morning um, telling God's stories and really doing spiritual warfare. And you'll understand why I say that in a second. But I wanted to begin by giving you some scripture um, that has to do with telling God's stories. And um, in the church, we call them testimonies. Um, but this time of... Telling the stories of what God is doing in and through us as a church family is more important than you could possibly imagine. So let me just, let me give you a couple of, uh, a couple of scriptures. Oh, and by the way, I think that in some ways, Today, uh, Church Today at Thrive is going to be more like the early church in the book of Acts than, than maybe most Sundays that we have. Because if you guys recall, um, the early church in the book of Acts, those guys did not have the Bible as we have it, right? They had the Old Testament. But what they would do when they gathered together is they would fellowship and then they would um, tell stories. They would tell stories of the things that Jesus said the things that Jesus did, and they would tell stories of how God was moving in them and through them during the course of the week. And that was that was kind of what they did. And so that's what we're going to do this morning. So I want to give you just a couple of things that the scripture has to say about telling these God stories. Um, in John chapter 4, uh, it says this, many Samaritans from that town believed in him because this is the woman in the well. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him and Jesus because of the woman's testimony. People believed. And she said, he told me all that I ever did. In the book of Acts chapter four, it says, and with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And a great grace was upon them all. The disciples were giving their testimony. Um, this may be my favorite. It says this in the book of Daniel, I thought it good to declare the signs and wonders." that the most high God has worked for me. I thought it good to declare the signs and wonders that the most high God has worked for me. Anybody have any idea who said that? It was King Nebuchadnezzar. It was the king of Babylon. And he told the whole kingdom about the, the works that God had done in his life. And finally, uh, in the book of Chronicles, it says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples. And so um, I'm just going to pray over our time together. Lord, I just pray that you would bless every person that is sharing today. And I pray, Lord, that we would be strengthened, that we would be edified, that we'd be envisioned, that we'd be healed, that we'd be encouraged. And um, I told you guys that that this is actually spiritual warfare. And there, there's a very, very um, kind of famous uh, thing that the, the Apostle John wrote in the book of Revelation. He said this, and, and they, the church, have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. For they loved not their lives even unto death. And they conquered him, the devil by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony for they love not their lives, even unto death. And so I have five people that are going to be sharing God's stories with us this morning. Um, Joe, uh, Julie and Wendy are going to start and they're going to uh, share on the power of prayer. Catherine is going to come and she's going to share of, uh, about the power of God in healing and freedom. Andrew's going to come and he's going to share story, a story of God's healing power uh, and the grace of God in sharing the gospel and how God can transform a life. And then my friend Sean O'Donnell is going to come and he's going to share his life testimony. We're going to give him a little bit more space to share what God has been doing in his life from, uh, from start to finish finish here. So it's going to be great. So why don't I start with, who did I say? Uh, Julie and Wendy. Why don't you guys come up? And then Catherine, where are you, Catherine? Why don't you come up on deck over here? We're going to do that so we can keep things moving here. And by the way, uh, testimonial people, uh, you know how I am, right? So if you go long, I'm going to like nudge closer to you. All right. Why don't you guys just step, do you mind stepping up like right here? Can you do that? All right. This thing is on, or you can just come on all the way up. Yeah. All right, here you go. Who's starting first? Um,
2: I'm going first. Yeah, we're tag teaming.
1: Okay. Kind okay. of hold the mic? A bit? Yeah. All right, so... Talk right into the microphone. Okay. Um, this <laughs> is a great story.
2: Um, so Wendy and I thought, well, um, we're preparing for this fuel to fire, this 24-hour prayer experience. And we thought we needed to get here to the church to pray and just receive what God wanted to share with us about the event and how we should plan it. And we thought we would start out in the front of the church and, you know, look at it and just receive. We, we saw the beautiful stained glass with the cross on it. And we just felt the presence
0: of Jesus there. And we started praying. And then it, we almost saw, we sensed so clearly, um, these two huge warrior angels standing outside, like almost towering above the church and protecting us. And protecting it was like God was saying, I'm protecting Thrive inside and out.
2: Yeah. It was it was amazing. Oh yeah. (laughs) I forgot. (laughs) Oh no no. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, we're we're tag teaming. Um, yeah, and then I was we kept praying and Wendy said, Well, should we go in? And I I just felt the Holy Spirit kinda telling us just to linger, linger there. And just receive, yeah.
0: And then the Holy Spirit shared with us, like a prophecy, prophecy that He is going to use the fuel, the fire event, to um, help us to reach out into the community and really make an impact. And we were just so—I got to take off my glasses because I'm less nervous that way. <laughs> and he and and he was going to just flow through us into the community so we started started loudly declaring this to the heavens and praising Jesus and suddenly these two really scary guys just ran right up to us from the dark parking lot Um, they were just shouting in terror and every other word was an f-bomb and they were like covered with tattoos and stuff and they were absolutely terrified we found out as we asked their names and Um, connected with them because they had gotten into an altercation down the street and some guys had said they were going to run them over and they were afraid for their lives and the fun the thing is I personally really struggle with fear and anxiety but we both felt God just fill us up with his power and love and we had no fear at all Um, and they said were you just praying and we said yes and they asked us to pray for them. We said, sure. And I said, you've come to the right place because you're in a safe place because Jesus is here. And the first guy was still really scared. So I just felt led to like put my arm around his shoulder and I said, stop talking and look up. And I said, what do you see? And he's like, I see a cross. I'm like, yes, because Jesus is here. You're safe. Yeah.
2: And so um, the one the one guy who was definitely more of a seeker, he said, can we go inside and see Jesus on the cross? And I, I said, well, Jesus isn't on the cross. He's, we don't need to go inside because he's not on the cross in, in there. Um, and, yeah, I kind of felt uncomfortable about that anyway. And, and then uh, the guy said he was a little confused and said, aren't you Christian?
0: And so we had a great discussion right there. Um, And we said, Jesus is not on the cross. He's alive. He rose again. He died on the cross, and he rose again, and he's alive. And he looked like he had never heard this before, and he wanted to know more. And the other guy was like, come on, we have to go. And I just felt like the Lord was saying, tell him to be quiet. So I'm like, be quiet, sir. Your friend has something really important to hear right now. (laughs) and uh, the first guy was covered they were both covered with tattoos and I said I see you have a a cross on your arm can you tell us more about that yeah so he said he'd gotten it a long time ago
2: and as a result of his grandma and but then he raised his the sleeve on his left arm and there was sorry I'm gesturing there was a tattoo 666 okay in Revelation it's a sign of the evil one um he said he felt tortured, like he was in bondage. Um, he wanted to be like this, referring to his right forearm, but this kept him down. His, you know, all the bondage, he felt like he was in bondage and he couldn't do enough to make up for all the,
0: you know, the bad things that he had done. He could never get over back to the cross side. And we said, oh, you don't have to do anything, it's already done. That's why Jesus died on the cross, to take all your punishment away, so you can be on God's side. So we can be free. We just need to receive and believe. So I asked if they wanted to pray now, and they said yes. So I said, let's get in a circle together and hold hands. And I was like, okay, let's hold hands. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> so Wendy prayed, and then the first man pointed at me and said, Wants you to pray. I said, Well, I'm praying in agreement with everything Wendy said. So I just picked up and started saying some powerful spiritual warfare prayers. And then the guy fell to the ground and it was like, The glory of God just knocked him over. And
0: he just fell down like this. Just like... Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, just like that. It was amazing.
0: And the other man, who's shirtless and all muscle, just all of a sudden just like, leaned in, like melted into my arms with his head on my chest and I was just holding him and I just felt like I was like his spiritual parent holding this little child. Mm. And so we wrapped up the prayer and then I
2: told them what they needed to do was go and get a Bible and read the book of John. (laughs) And come to thrive? (laughs) And come to thrive, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) And the the guy was... Yeah, they were. The guy was amazed. And he said, that's what the pastor we met yesterday in Rolling Meadows said. And, and he gave me a Bible, and he pulled out his Bible, and it was very well-worn. Um,
0: probably, probably the
2: pastor's own Bible. Yeah. And afterwards, we just marveled together that God just did what he'd led us to pray. And we were stunned that God answered our prayer right there.
1: All right, we're going to wrap it up in a second. Okay.
0: Um, all right. You go ahead.
2: Okay. So this was probably one of the worst days of their lives. They had this terrible, bad news story. But the Lord filled us up to share the best news, right? Mm-hmm. The good news. It was miraculous, a true, truly divine appointment. Yeah, it, it really was amazing. I felt the Holy Spirit had deposited through these wonders and uh, miracles that he would be doing as we listen to hear his voice during the Fuel the Fire experience. So he's going to do all kinds of amazing things. So sign up. All
1: right. You won't want to miss
2: them. And there's a sign up at the back, or just feel free to come.
1: Good job. Thank you. That is some boldness right there, church. (laughs) Watch out for those two. All right. It's amazing, isn't it, what the Lord can do? He just melted these two gangbangers' hearts. It's incredible. I love it. I love it. All right. Catherine, why don't you come on up? Oh, by the way... Um, part of the reason we're doing this is Molly was scheduled to pray or to, uh, to share. She's at homesick. So if you guys would uh, be praying for her, I'd appreciate it. Um, your prayers for me are working cause I'm just fine. <laughs> so, so that's good. But, uh, Molly is down for the count. So if you guys would be praying for her. All right. Here's Catherine.
3: All right. Um, good morning. Thank you for letting me share my favorite story with you. I pray that it builds your faith today. So my claim to fame is that I absolutely love Christmas, and I love it so much, I want nothing to interrupt it at all. And with this mindset, I came up with an inner vow that I would never have a Christmas baby. I couldn't imagine anything ever interrupting my Christmas. So I even shared this vow out loud with everybody over my entire life. So in high school, in college, even at my wedding, people ask, hey, do you want to be a mom someday? And I would say yes, and then give a spiel about no Christmas babies. So as life would have it, I got blessed, and I was married at age 26, and my new life goal was a baby before the age of 30. Easy enough, right? Well, age 28 came and went, and then 29 passed me by. Uh Uh-oh, now I'm 30 and 31. At this point, I am depressed, fighting the monster of unexplained infertility. I am in utter shock. Can you believe yoga, acupuncture, chiropractic care? Oprah's meditation with Deepak is not working. (laughs) Not at all. Desperate for anything, I sought out energy healing. And now this is where the story gets good. Even though God is clearly not on my mind, I happen to be on his mind. God deliberately uses the energy healer as his servant, his chosen vessel. Kind of reminds me of uh, the book of Jeremiah. God calls uh, King Nebuchadnezzar his servant at least three times. He can use evil people for good things. So this energy healer confronts me on my foolish stance of no Christmas babies. She is the first person in about 20 years to challenge me on it. I instantly felt convicted to change my tune. She was speaking truth. So I said out loud for the first time ever, honestly, I will take a Christmas baby. So life goes on. God uh, lets a couple months go by to line up his divine timing. I get the call of my dreams. Instantly, I feel a healing sensation combined with revelation as the doctor spoke the words, your baby is due on Christmas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, My heart sank. I finally knew the true meaning of Christmas. Thank you, Jesus. At once, the uh, pain washed away. I was at total peace, the one that surpasses all understanding. Obviously, my life has changed. My son will be eight in December, and when I look at him, he is my daily reminder that God heals, my daily reminder that delay is not denial, and my daily reminder that we truly have the power to create life or death with the fruit of our lips. I praise God for the fruit of my womb. Amen. All right. Thank you. Good job.
1: All right, Andrew. Andrew. Just talking into two microphones there for a second. Must mean I lack the you know, self-confidence, two microphones. All right, here we go. You ready? I got you. This is Andrew. Hello, everyone. Love this guy. Andrew, uh, just in case you don't know, Andrew works with our youth, uh, and he's uh, killing it with young adults. And, um, yeah, he and I have been friends for a handful of years now. Love this guy. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Kevin, for the
4: great introduction. I'm going to do my own introduction. That's, That's the right. best part about That's it. That's right. That's good. Um yeah, for everyone that doesn't know, my name is Andrew Padilla. Um, I want to share a quick testimony upon grace, spreading the gospel, and uh, just boldness in general. So, I'm going to start off with a verse. Um, it's from Second Timothy 4.5. As for you, be sober in everything, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, carry out your ministry fully. Six years ago, I was getting my feet in faith. I, I came to Thrive, <laughs> sure enough, and I was a lot blind to the truth. Um, I had an open ear, and I wanted to learn more. Um, six, some of you probably are saying, what, were you 12 years old? No, I was actually 18 <laughs> years old. Okay. <laughs> okay, Terry. <laughs> All right. Um, and I said, um, this man named, we'll call him Jeff, I met him at Thrive. I said, hey, I want to learn more about the gospel. So he took me out. Uh, for a coffee and a pastry, Jeff showed me what a loving brother in Christ looked like. Uh, he offered to pray over our server. He made me feel welcomed, and he even taught me a lesson on road rage. Believe it or not, he said, <laughs> "Let the, the verse you say you say lead the way when someone cuts you off." Okay, so <laughs> remember that, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> so it was about peace and love. But the best part about it is he just made me feel not scolded about. He made me feel loved and made me feel cared for. And then he shared his story. Then he asked me about my walk of faith. Then he taught me about purity. Made me feel, didn't make me feel less than or scolded about my actions. And Jeff had this love in his heart and he also had a lot of boldness. Boldness in evangelizing. So yesterday, uh, actually Friday, sure enough, I was driving to meet an old friend. Someone who just moved away, but I haven't talked to him about three or four years I just felt like the Holy Spirit was telling me to, call, to talk about Jesus. And I had no idea what it was or what it was about. But I knew that I was going to talk about Jesus. And I said, I'm going to talk about Jesus. Like, Holy Spirit, moved through me. Oddly enough, Kev- Kevin gives me a call. And uh, in another situation, but on a t- separate topic, I said, Kevin, like, how do you talk to people about Jesus? And I probably will always remember what Kevin said. But he basically said, along the lines, um, I first look at this is someone to love. Someone to care for. Um, You aren't going to be. You aren't going to be the best theologian, right? Right? Not going to whip out the Bible and say this verse here and all this stuff. But I, I have one thing. Kevin said you have one thing, and that is your story. And we all have a story, right? Stories are only yours. Okay. Um, So after my call, I actually called Jeff, who actually spoke to me six years ago. It was about five years since we talked, and I said to Jeff um, on a voicemail, I said, Jeff, I'm not sure where you're at. I'm not sure what you've gone through, but all I can say is I can say thank you. Because the ripple effect that you played on me six years ago has an opportunity now where I'm able to talk to someone about Jesus and repay the favor that you once gave me six years ago. Um, And I just said thank you and God bless him. So without getting much into detail, um, I spoke to my friend. We had a dinner. Um, I I asked him one question, uh, which I learned was, how is your heart? Right? How's your heart? Something that is so gen- generic, right? But it gets right into the center of mm-hmm. someone because you don't have to understand any uh, any sort of life or what they're going through. It's right there in center, right? Mm-hmm. How is your heart going? So we talked about his anxiety that he was struggling with work. He was actually being as we call it in our gen Z ghosted, which is basically the, 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 term of blocked DND, you know, all the, all the, all the sorts. So he was being ghosted because he wanted this new opportunity and his manager wasn't contacting him. It was been about three weeks since his manager contacted him. To, uh, then I said, let's pray immediately prayed in the restaurant. We casted out all his anxiety in Jesus's name and we just kept going throughout our meal. Well, towards the end of our meal, I was boxing up my food and, uh, we were, we were getting ready to leave, and then he looked at me in shock. and I said, what? Like, What's going on? I, I got onions, but I know I don't got that bad of breath. Um, so he sat there in complete silence, and he turned his phone around to me, and uh, he showed me this email, and the email was sent a minute ago. The email was from his manager saying, let's have a conversation about this new opportunity. I'm excited to share with you some great news. He said to me in that moment, God did this. Now, his walk of faith was, he, he was on a different journey. But he didn't understand the power of Christ. So right there in the moment, I said, hallelujah. And I said, let's pray. In the middle of the restaurant, rush hour, 5 o'clock on a Friday, you can imagine. Um, we both felt goosebumps. I said, hallelujah. Let's talk about Jesus. I placed my hand on his head. And I said a few lines. And I ended with, you know, I just feel right now that Lord Jesus wants you to take him on. And I said, do you accept, Lord Jesus? Um, Jesus as your Lord and Savior. He said, I do. And the rest is history.
1: <laughs>
4: so, thank you. Um, the, the point is, my, the boldness that one man showed me six years ago, I want to tell you all today. And that is to don't stop evangelizing and don't stop enduring, okay? Be bold in faith, and his children are relying on you. Thank you.
1: That's good. That's good. good stuff, isn't it? Yeah. Hi, how we feeling? Great. It's amazing what God is up to. I love it. I love it. Okay, so I'm going to invite my uh, dear and old friend, Sean. Sean's not old, but we've been friends for a long time. Um, this testimony, just to be aware, this is kind of going to be like a possibly sort of a PG-13 testimony. Uh, no, I'm being serious about that. Um, So it has to do with uh, his sexual past and things like that. So I just want you to know that up front. Uh, Sean, why don't you come on up? All right. And Sean's just going to actually Here's something about Sean. He helped us plant this church 13 years ago. Yeah. So I'm giving Sean a tiny bit more time. So I'm going to sit down and drink some coffee while he's sharing.
5: Drink one for me. Okay. Good morning, everybody. Um, Wow. I can't believe I'm up here. So cool. Thank you, God. Um, So my name is Sean. Um, I grew up in your typical Irish-Italian Catholic family. I was the oldest of four siblings. I was born May 27th, 1976, in a a suburb of Chicago. My parents married very early and had three kids. My mother was a typical Italian mother. She was a force to be reckoned with. She would treat cultural traditions with reverence and show her love with huge family meals. She loved fiercely and protected us all at all costs. My father was a typical Irish father and provided for his family, but was never around. I don't have very very many memories of my father before the age of six. He was the bread earner, and my mother was in charge of the household and the family. It was very typical. This didn't last long, though. At the age of six, I was told that my parents were getting a divorce. My father was no longer the breadwinner. My mother spoke ill of my father often and instilled in me a great anger and bitterness towards him. I was so upset and hated him for never being around. At the same time, I started watching um, Lost in Space, a classy—excuse me—a classic camp sci-fi family series from the '60s. It featured the adventures of Will Robin, the Will Robinson family. Um, excuse me. I loved watching Mr. Will Robinson and the Captain Major West fight their way through space. They seemed so confident and sensitive. Mr. Will Robinson was always around, spending time with his son. I fell in love with Mr. Will Robinson. It was something I didn't have. Mr. Robinson took the place of my father, and I used, to, um, I used my imagination to escape him, uh, to escape with him on that ship every afternoon. These were the earliest memories of my same-sex attractions. I wanted to be him. Later on in life, at the age of eleven, I met a boy who we will call Joe. Joe and I were mostly inseparable but did everything together. We'd spend the night at each other's houses multiple times a week. We liked 80s horror movies like Nightmare on Elm Street. And when Nintendo came out, we played Super Mario Brothers* for hours. We liked typical guy things, except we spent the night at each other's houses um, three to four times a week and would fool around sexually. I was torn. On one level, I enjoyed being with Joe. On the other hand, I couldn't stand him. This was not what boys did. Joe took me to his church. My family really didn't go to church during uh, that period in our lives. Other than doing my catechism classes and being a good Catholic boy, the only time we went to church was with Grandma. As I walked into Joe's church, I could hear this amazing music coming from the sanctuary. I had never heard people sing to God like that. It was like nothing I had ever heard before. I continued to attend uh, church with Joe every week, sometimes three to four times a week. I fell in love with God. I accepted Jesus at the age of 13 at a youth retreat. I was so excited about my new love found for God, and I was so on fire for the Lord, but no one knew of my internal struggle. Every week, I would go up to the altar and ask God to take this from me. I would beg God. Each week, I would spend hours praying And I wanted to change, but never could. Time went on, and I would ask God every week for this to leave me. I started seeking out self-help groups, support, and anything that I could find that would help me figure this out. I read books, went to 12-step groups, had demons cast out of me, and even spent time in a residential facility for guys struggling with homosexuality. Nothing worked. After living in California in the residential treatment facility, I returned home in 2000. I came back defeated. Nothing had worked, and I told myself that I was going to live my life as a gay man. I gave credence to that gay identity that day. I will no longer beat myself up for being gay, I said, and I started to believe that God had made me this way. I came back hating the church. I listened to the enemy and did not believe I would ever be free. I took on that gay identity. I became a militant activist full of gay rainbows and unicorns, I was a card-carrying member. I searched the world for everything that I could find. I pushed God aside and tried to live my life as a gay man. I told myself I was a gay Christian, but this is not possible. No one can serve two masters, for you will either hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money, or you can insert any sin that you struggle with there. I would go around telling people that the Bible didn't really say what it meant about homosexuality. I mean, Jesus never said anything about it. So how could it be wrong? Did not Jesus love me? I spent hours trying to silence that voice in my head. Jesus was not letting me go. In 2007, God spoke to me audibly. Sean, Sean, Sean. I woke up out of a deep sleep and heard my name being called out. The guy I was sleeping with was fast asleep. A week later, I went to church, and someone in the church, I can't remember who, came up to me and shared this verse with me. Isaiah 43, 1-3. But now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. And you are mine. And I, have the verse on my I have the verse tattooed on my arm. At the time I could remember I was in utter shock. God had literally just called out my name. A great amount of emotion came over me that day. What did this mean? So, like I said, I etched it into my arm. Often like the Hebrews would attach scriptures around their necks, I wanted to etch it in my skin and never forget God's faithfulness in my life. Shortly after I heard from God, the first time I heard him speak again to me, homosexuality isn't my best for you, Sean. What was I to do with this information? I had already been living as a gay man for quite some time. I didn't think it was possible for me to change. Instead of running to God, I fled. Further and further, I went deep into sin. I went looking... Uh, for relationship after relationship that would fulfill me, anonymous encounters, drugs, alcohol, it all became a daily occurrence. I spent time in bars, nightclubs, bookstores, bathhouses. This happened multiple times a week, sometimes multiple times a day. I even began doing drag. I never wanted to be a woman, but my view of maleness and femaleness was distorted. One thing that stuck with me over the years, and I was reminded of recently, was that every time I saw another man hanging out at a bar, excuse me, an older man hanging out at a bar or a bookstore, I was reminded how lonely and depraved this life truly was. That was going to be me. This life only brings death. No matter how much I love men, no matter how much I am attracted to them, nothing fulfilled me. Nothing gave me true pleasure except for God. I dealt with anxiety and fear daily. Sometimes my anxiety and panic would get so bad, I would need to pull to the side of the road. This happened many times over the years. I sometimes could not even make it to work. I would see therapists and was on so many antidepressants and anxiety medication to stop from feeling my anxiety. I thought I was going to die. Everything I did was not enough. About a year ago, I felt as if I was being choked. I did not know what was happening. Was it smoking cigarettes all these years that finally caught up to me? Did I finally have throat cancer or lung cancer? I kept going to my doctor and telling him I was feeling as if something was choking me. Something was in my throat. He told me he felt nothing. But if I wanted to, I could see a specialist. I decided against it. And then how faintly I remembered God's love song over me the day when he called my name. But that voice kept getting further away. The distance between me and God was driving me insane. I whispered through the loneliness, and he met me. On August 5th of this year, I cried out to the Lord. I was so afraid and fearful, and he heard my cry. Almost immediately, the Holy Spirit descended upon me, and I started to weep before the Lord. His overwhelming presence was more than I could imagine. I kept crying and crying, and increasingly the Lord came over me. God told me again, it wasn't his best for my life. I asked him to heal me, I repented many times, and he came running to me, to meet me. Father, I missed you, Father, I loved you, and nothing can take your place. You are the first and will be the last of my soul. Lead me back home. Since August, I have been seeking the Lord with all my heart. My daily walk with him is 1,000 times better than it was no, we're perfect. I'm not sure that's possible this side of heaven. I'm seeking after him, whatever it takes. No longer will I live in death. No longer will I walk as a gay man. I am made in the image of God. He called me by name. And I think that's the coolest thing ever. I think about this sometimes three to four times a week. Recently, I heard from a pastor that it is very rare for someone to hear the audible voice of God. God has shown favor on me, and I will follow him all the days of my life. There is nowhere I'd rather be but serving the Lord. Have my attractions disappeared? No. Have my struggles just stopped? No. But God says, pick up your cross and follow me. He doesn't promise a rosy-colored perfection in the side of heaven. He says there will be trials and temptations, but to trust him. This is what I will do. I will put my trust in him all the days of my life. God said he will restore the years the locusts have eaten. And he is doing just that. Amen.
1: Hang tight, Sean. All right. Could we just pray over Sean right now as a church? I'm going to pray for you, buddy. And so is everybody else. Um, Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for your faithfulness over the, the many years of Sean's life. Lord, I thank you that you are a God and a father who will just never let us go. And I thank you that Sean has gotten to experience um, the reality that you are a father that chases us down in love, that takes on all of our pain and all of our brokenness, that takes on all of our cares, and you make all things new. Lord, we just um, lift up Sean to you. We just thank you for his life. We honor what you are doing in him. We honor who he is. And Father, just as a church, we just bless what you're up to. We cheer you on, Lord, and we cheer Sean on as he's fighting a great battle faithfully, Lord. And Father, I just pray that you would continue to speak audibly to Sean, Lord. I pray that you would use um, his life and his story for your glory, for your healing, for your purposes, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We bless you and we just bless you' in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. <laughs> All right. well, how are we doing? Good. Some good stories, right? God is on the move. He is the God of the living, not the God of the dead. God is on the move. I want us to keep um, living lives. Where we get to tell our own God stories. Put yourself out there, church. You got people sitting right next to you that are doing great things for the Lord. Use them as an example. What are you, what are you doing? Molly had something for you to say. Oh, she did? Man, just take a rest, Molly. <laughs> All right. Let's see what Molly has here. All right. Okay. From Molly. Um, amazing. For ministry, pray for a greater release of power in our church, in each person. These stories are a taste and an invitation to the normal Christian life that God has for us. I'm going to read that again. Our pastor, Molly, challenges us to pray for a greater release of power in our church, in each person. These stories are a taste and an invitation to the normal Christian life that God has for us. It's good. All right, why don't we? Um, we have we have officially three minutes. Why don't you guys just stand up? We're going to pray this out. If you would be um, so bold as to just kind of extend your hands almost in a receiving posture God sometimes God moves um, when we just do something physical as as a gesture towards him and he is a giver of good gifts and so Lord I just pray right now that you would pour out your power on every person in this room and every person at home that you would pour out your power Lord that you would pour out your spirit, the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead can make newness of life in us. And Father, I just thank you that our vision was expanded for what the normal Christian life is. We are called to live boring, pedestrian lives. We're called to live life on the edge, life lives of following you, Jesus. And so I just pray, Lord, that the supernatural would become normal. That miraculous um, encounters would become normal. That hearing your voice would become normal. That, that, you know, little women would defeat strong men. That that would be normal in the kingdom. Lord, that there is no physical thing that you can't heal. There's no spiritual thing that you can't heal. There's no emotional or relational thing that you can't heal. Behold, I make all things new. So release your power. Release your power on us this morning. Holy Spirit, just fall in this place. Just welcome the Spirit. Welcome the Lord right now in your heart. if in any way you have been on the run from God if you've been far from him this is the moment to say Jesus I receive you in everything that you are you are Lord of my life pour yourself out Lord we receive you this morning